Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. We're going to kick off tonight in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 12, verse 9 through 10. 2 Corinthians, this is where we're going to start. So where we are picking up, um, this is Paul talking to the Corinthian church, which he started. Um, and the Corinthian church is disqualifying Paul or talking bad about Paul behind his back because they think uh, he has some weaknesses in his life, some physical weaknesses in his life. They, they're, they're saying that he's not good enough to, spr- to, to preach the message of Jesus. Can you imagine that? Like somebody thinking that Apostle Paul is not qualified enough? I mean, imagine that. That, that is actually what the Corinthian church is doing. And they're trying to disqualify him. And in the scripture, it talks about, you know, this weakness is right, the thorn in his side. And a lot of people have thought that, you know, it, it was maybe a, a, a physical illness. Um, some people think it was a speech impediment. Um, some people just think that they were disqualifying him because he wasn't financially stable or wealthy. And, and so he's, he's seeing all these things. And Paul is seeing that they're trying to discredit him and disqualify him from the message of Jesus because they see weaknesses in his life. And Paul actually said, I, I talked to God about these weaknesses. I talked to him about it. And I prayed him to remove these weaknesses from me. And then this is where we pick up in, in uh, tw- uh, chapter 12, verse 9 through 10, where he says, Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am, come on everybody, help me finish, strong. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap because only he can do that. Now I want you to turn to your neighbor and say it, say it like you mean it. And say the title for tonight's message. Say, I'm too qualified to quit. I'm too qualified to quit. Let's let's pray over service tonight. Father, we thank you that we've gathered for no other reason than to grow closer to your son. Um, Father, just let your Holy Spirit take over. Uh, this service. We thank you for miracle signs and wonders taking place. We thank you for soft hearts and open minds. We thank you that the lost are going to be found, that the broken are going to be mended, that the, that the sick are going to be healed tonight by your spirit, Father. Jesus, we welcome you into this place. Take over this service. We're here for you. No other reason. We love you, Jesus. And everybody says, amen, amen. Come on, give Jesus one more hand clap. This is probably eight years ago. Um, we went on, uh, man, it was eight years ago. I'm just now processing that. Uh, this is like eight years ago. We went on vacation, uh, family vacation to Branson, Missouri. As a lot of you all know, um, Pastor Kayla Rivera and I, we, we really grew up together. We were, we were still our best friends. We, were, we were, went to high school together. And so we went on each other's vacations. You know, that's how you know how close we were. And so he went on vacation with us for our family vacations because he's family. And so we took him with us to Branson, Missouri. We were having a great time. And, and at that time, we were really into basketball, like really into it. Uh, we're about like 16 and 17, we were really into basketball. And uh, we were playing all the time. And we would always play pickup games, played in high school. Like we were really into basketball. And so we go uh, to this, the hotel we're staying at in Branson, and we're looking for a basketball court because all we want to do is hoop. 
like we're at the basketball court, and we see like we're at this um, hotel or, or con, I forgot what, what it is, but like on the other side there was like this resort, and they had a basketball court, and there was no fence blocking it off. So we're like, that is God. You know, that's God supplying our need and want to play basketball. And so uh, we, you know, we, we grab the basketball and walk, and the basketball court's pretty far away. We kind of saw it in the distance. And, and so as we're approaching um, this basketball court, um, I'm, I'm not lying, we're probably 100 yards plus away approaching it, and we see these two guys playing basketball. And they have their shirts off, and they're just like, like just dunking it, and they're like jumping up and down, and like we're watching them, like we're getting like really intimidated. We're like seeing it, and I was kind of thinking to myself, okay, let's just like let's turn back. And but as we're thinking about turning around, these guys see us from the distance, and they call us out. They see that we have a basketball in our in our arms. They call us out. And they say, hey, y'all want to play two on two? I was like, oh no. <laughs> and so we go over there, you know, play basketball against these guys, and you know they're very, you know. I mean, they're, they're, they're like a couple years older than us, and they're far more muscular um, than us, and they're dunking, and they're, they're far more athletic. And, and uh, so they wanted to play 2v2 because obviously they just saw two skinny Mexicans walking up. And they said, they, you know, they, they, they have no shot against us. They will be a good, good warm-up. Um, but they didn't know we played basketball all the time. And so we, we start playing, this, playing um, 2v2. And if anybody ever plays, you know, basketball or, or you know there will be there will be times there will be games where you just cannot miss. Somebody like like you just cannot miss. And that game or or spurt of games I could not miss a shot. Like I was like we we were me and Caleb Rivera were playing so well we destroyed them in that first game. It wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. And these guys were shocked. They're like, and like his, I think it was something we were played twenty one. It was like twenty one to three. Like destroy them. Absolutely destroyed him. They said, let's run it back. Because, you know, they thought, you know, you know, blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while, right? So, like, let's, let's run it back. Maybe that was luck. And we destroyed him again. These guys were getting mad. These guys were getting upset at us. And he said, okay, let's play one more time. I said, okay. And at this point, you know, me and, and Caleb, we're having fun. Like, we're like, this is cool. Like, we couldn't miss. We're playing awesome. And, you know, we felt like, you know, uh, you know we felt like we were in the league or something. And so we played that third game. We beat them again. And then finally, they're like, okay, you know what? They realized they weren't going to beat us two on two, so they wanted to play one on one, and we still all beat them again. And these guys, they left so discouraged. They were so confident, but they left so discouraged because they were like, we lost to these guys. But I said that story because these guys disqualified us from distance. They saw us coming up to them, and they didn't even see us play, yet they already disqualified us for being a real threat to them, a, a, a real competition. See, there will be a lot of times that people will disqualify us without even knowing us. They will see our weaknesses. They will see our shortcomings. They will see where we lack, and they will say, okay, you know what? You're not even good enough to do something. What we're talking about is who qualifies us and who's allowed to disqualify us. And, um, and a lot of times what we struggle with as, as Christians it's we struggle with feeling unworthy. We struggle with feeling good enough. We don't even feel qualified enough sometimes to, to step into what God's calling us to do. Like as soon as we take that step, we get this thought in our mind of, hey, remember this and remember that. 
Hey, remember, you're not experienced enough. Hey, remember, you don't come from the right family. And we start to disqualify ourselves before we even take that first step. We, we begin to say, hey, maybe I'm not good enough to do this or good enough to do that. And before we even enter the battle, we already lost. We disqualify ourselves. And what we're going to be talking about tonight is about uh, a man in Scripture who disqualified himself right off the bat. We're going to be talking about Gideon in Judges um, chapter 6. Um, just to give you context of where we're picking up in, in Judges chapter 6 is that uh, Israel, uh, if you read the book of Judges, they do this every time, but Israel turned their back on God. They started worshiping false idols, and because of that, the grace of God was removed um, from them, and they were experiencing hardship, and they were experiencing starvation. It said that the Midianites, which was their enemies, that they would, they would come every day, literally every day, and steal their crops, steal their food, steal their produce to a point where the whole country was starving. And, the, and Israel, they're, they're, they're starving. They see that they've done wrong. And so it says that they cry out to God for help. Um, and then this is where we pick up in Judges chapter 6. And I want us to really watch how this conversation goes. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. It says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the clan of Bezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide. Everybody say hide. hide. To hide the grain from the Midianites. I'm going to stop right there. So Gideon, he is hiding from the Midianites. This guy is not looking for a fight. This guy doesn't think he's capable of fight. This guy is trying to avoid confrontation. Does that sound like anybody in the house? This guy's trying to hide from his enemies. Does that sound like anybody in the house? This guy's trying to hide from what he thinks is going to be his failure, what he thinks is going to be a losing battle. Because you see, it says he was threshing the wheat at the bottom of a wine press or a valley. See, traditionally, when you thresh the wheat, you go to a mountaintop. You go to the hilltop. Because as you thresh the wheat, and he says you toss the wheat up, the wind comes in and separates the shaft from the wheat. And so that's, that's what you're supposed to do because it makes it a whole lot easier um, to, uh, to thresh the wheat. But it said Gideon, because he was afraid and he was hiding from the Midianites, he didn't want to confront them. He didn't think he was good enough or strong enough or, or capable enough to confront the Midianites that he settled for the valley. And even though it wasn't nearly as productive, even though it wasn't where, where he was supposed to be, because he felt unqualified, he settled for the valley. See, that is what happens when you feel unqualified in your life. You will settle for the valley. God's called you much higher, but you feel unqualified, so you settle for the very least in life. You, you, you settle for the valley. And so Gideon is afraid, and he's settling for the low places, and he doesn't feel qualified. See, when you feel unqualified, you feel unworthy. And when you feel unworthy, you feel unsure about yourself. And when you feel unsure about yourself, you don't know, what, you don't know which way is left or right. And so you settle for the very thing you know what you have in front of you. And a lot of times that's valley floors. A lot of times that's the least of what really has been given to us. We settle for it because we don't think we're worthy or qualified to do anything more. So Gideon, as we're looking, he's not heroic. Gideon, he's not brave. 
And matter of fact, he's afraid. Matter of fact, he's afraid of taking that step. Because just like we read, like it said in scripture, Israel, they are, I mean, they're on the brink of starvation. And yet, instead of confronting his problems, he'd rather hide from his problems. Instead of confronting what needs to be removed from his life, he is instead acting like it's not there. Does that sound like anybody in the house? And starts doing things, starts selling for value, because he doesn't even think he's qualified or capable enough of doing it. So he's not heroic. He's not brave. But watch what God says to him in verse 12. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mr. Scaredy Cat, I see you in the valley floor. I see you afraid. He said, he, 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 oh, that's not what he said. He, he said, hey, Mr., you know, afraid of everything, uh, Gideon the chicken. He said, God said, no, he looks at Gideon, who is afraid at this moment, who's hiding from what he knows he needs to confront, and he says, mighty hero. Man, did that hit anybody or just me? He looks at Gideon, who doesn't even think of himself as capable enough to even do his job where it's supposed to be. He looks at him and says, mighty hero. When God looks at you, he doesn't see your weaknesses. When God looks at you, he doesn't see where you lack. He doesn't look at you and say, Mr. Addicted. He doesn't look at you and say, hey, you who don't have enough experience or you who don't have enough knowledge. No, he looks at you and he sees what you're capable of, and that's what he calls you. Who's thankful for a God? I mean, if anybody has the right to call us what we are, it's God, not people. Don't let people try to call you what you are. They they didn't create you, so why can't they call you? If there's anybody who could call you something, it's your creator, right? But instead of calling you what may be what you think you are, he calls you what he created you to be. And he said, Gideon, you're hiding right now, but I created you to be a hero. Even before Gideon understood it. He said, mighty hero. So what I want us to do tonight really is take those thoughts out of our mind that make us feel incapable and unqualified. Because you're not even the one who qualifies yourself, so why can't you think you can't disqualify yourself? When God calls you, you're qualified. God doesn't, when God calls you, you're qualified. Someone say, I'm too qualified to quit. I'm too qualified. When God calls you, you're qualified. You don't need anybody else's opinions. You don't need the bank account to look like what you think it should. You don't have to get all these degrees behind your name. No, when God calls you, you're qualified. And Gideon, and watch his response in, in, in verse 13. He says, sir, which always makes me laugh. He, he calls God, sir. He says, sir, Gideon replied, if, he said, if the Lord is with us, Why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say that the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midianites? Gideon is talking to God. He doesn't doesn't realize it yet. I'll give him that. But he's talking to God, complaining about God. He's like, he's talking to God right now. He says, sir, if God is with us, 
and he's talking to God right now, then why is all this thing? Like, if I was God, like, there's a reason why we're not God. Because if I was God, I'm like, oh, you, if God is with you, I am God. I'm talking to you right now. What do you mean if God is with us? Who do you think you're talking to? But that's what life, when you feel unqualified, it makes you blind to God's presence. I mean, there's a lot of us, we're looking around, we're saying, I mean, I see that they're seeing that they're feeling God's presence. They're feeling God's presence, but why can't I feel God's presence? Can I tell you why? Because deep down inside, you have a thought. You have the enemy trying to tell you you're not worthy to feel God's presence. You're not qualified to feel God's presence. You're not good enough to do this. You're not good enough to do that. Oh, you see them over there enjoying God's presence. Oh, that's because they're way ahead of you. You're not qualified yet. You need to do this. And your mind starts to think you have to do all these religious acts to feel the presence of God. Can I tell you something right now? None of us are qualified to feel God's presence. None of us. What qualifies us is the blood of Jesus. That is why God sent his son so that you and I could experience his presence. Yeah, he died on the cross for us to, to save us from our sins. But really, when God sent his son, he wanted us to experience his presence. That's why. And he looked down at us. He said, because of sin, they're disqualified. But I'm going to send somebody who's who's only one who's worthy and qualified enough to experience my presence. I'm going to send him down. And he's going to be sacrificed for us. So that way we could experience God's presence. Don't let anybody tell you you're not worthy. Don't let anybody tell you that you're not qualified yet to experience the, God's presence, to experience the fruit of the Spirit, to experience the gifts of the Spirit. Don't let anybody tell you that. Because really what you could say, hey, you're not qualified either. None of us are. Jesus is. And when I have Jesus on the inside of me, that's what qualifies me. Not your opinion, not those degrees, not having all these books read. It's having Jesus on the inside of me. In verse 14, he says, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go. Everybody say go. go. With the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. He said, I am sending you. Where a lot of us get stuck is that we are asking God for strength before we go. Say, God, I know you're calling me. But give me this, and then I'll go. God, I know you want me to do this, but give me that, and then I'll go. What God is telling you right now, he's saying, no, first you go, and then I'll give you strength for it. It's not, you got it in reverse. I'm not going to make you get all, like how you get all, like, give you a pre-workout for, for God's calling. No, like, you won't feel the strength until you go. If you wait until you feel the strength, until you feel capable, until you feel qualified for God's calling, you're going to be at the starting line your whole life. You're, the whole time you're going to be waiting for this, waiting for this, waiting for that. And he's going to tell you, hey, no, 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 before, no, no, before you, need, you do that, you make sure you get this, make sure you get that, and make sure you get this, make sure you get that. No, what God is saying, hey, I called you, you're qualified, now go. I called you. So therefore, you're qualified, so now go, and I will give you the strength that you need. He said, I am sending you. I am sending you. See, if you feel fully capable of God's calling, I hate to break it to you, it's not God's calling. If, you, if God shows you his calling, and you're like, oh, yeah, I can do all of that, God, be on the sidelines for now, because I got like, that's not God's calling on your life. 
when God shows you what he has called you to do, it's supposed to make you feel this small. And it's supposed to make you say, you know what, God? I need you now more than ever. God, if I'm going to do all these things you're telling me to do, I, I need less of me. I need more of you. That is what God's calling is supposed to make you feel. Saying, saying God, I need more of you. 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 That's how you know you're in God's will is when you're saying, God I, need, God, I need to spend more time with you. God, I need to pray more. God, I need more of you, Jesus. That's how you know it's God's calling in your life. Because, you see, we don't. We don't get our, our, our mission from man. We don't get our plans from people. We get our purpose from God. From the king of kings, the Lord of lords, from the creator of heaven and earth. So why are we letting people tell us what our promises are? They didn't create us, so they can't call us. Don't let people's opinions change your mind about God's opinion of you. God created us. He knows what we are capable of, so that's why we take our calling from him. See, if you just rely on people, they don't know what you're capable of. They didn't create you. So how are they supposed to know how you operate, how you function, and where you can go? They didn't create you. But so many of us, we take our direction from the opinions of man. They say, well, so-and-so said, you know, I'm not good enough to do this, so I guess I'm not. So-and-so said, you know, I, I don't have enough experience to, to do that, so I guess I won't. So-and-so said this, so-and-so said that. They didn't create you. They don't know what you're capable of. Only God knows what you're capable of. Don't take your plans. Don't take your mission from man. Only God can give you that. Only God can give you that. Verse 15, y'all enjoying tonight, y'all enjoying tonight. In verse 15, it says, but Lord, getting replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe, tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. And again, when I read this, it makes me laugh. It's like he's telling God things he doesn't know. <laughs> like, God's like, oh, yeah, I know. Like, have you ever been, like, has, has, like, God ever given you, like, um, like a purpose or, or God ever told you the next step? And you're saying, well, well God, um, I can't do that yet because I got this and that. Yeah, I know. D do this. Like, we're not surprising God by telling him our problems. God's not like, oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah, never mind. You're good. Yeah, wait there a few more years until that's settled. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah I wasn't aware. Sorry, that's my bad. That's not God. And Gideon saying, hey, but what do you mean I'm, I'm, I'm a mighty hero? What do you mean I'm supposed to lead these people? I'm the weakest in my family and my tribe's the weakest in the clan. What do you mean? God's saying, yeah, I know all that. I know all that. That's why I called you. I know all that. I know all that. See, too many times we, we use the problems that we have as an excuse for not stepping into the promises God has for us. It's like, God, I know you promised me that, but let me fix these problems first. God, I know you're, you're telling me to go there, but let me fix these problems first. You see, God knows our problems, and we're supposed to pray to God about our problems, but we're not supposed to use those as excuses for not stepping into his promise. See, some, we, we can say, God, you're calling me here. 
But, but God, before I do that, I need to do this. I see I got all these things. I got to handle God. Like, I got a long to-do list. And then I'll go there. Like, don't use your problems as an excuse. Pray to God to him. And really, when you pray to God to, to him and God uses you, you can say, wow, God, that wasn't me. That was all you. See, if we wait until we're problem-free, we're never going to step into anything. If we wait until the stars align, I'm sorry to break it to you, the stars are never going to align. There's never going to be a moment where, you, you know, you see God, like, stamp something on your forehead which says, now's the time. Like, that's not going to happen. When God calls you, you're qualified, now go. Say, I'm too qualified to quit. I'm too qualified to quit. But this is what Gideon was doing. He was identifying himself with his insecurities. He was identifying himself with his insecurities. God said, mighty hero. And he said, no, no, I'm weak and I'm least. He said, well, no, mighty hero. He said, and Gideon says, no, I'm, I'm the weakest one in the clan. I'm the least in my family. You cannot identify you with your insecurities. God doesn't, so why do we? God doesn't identify you with your insecurities. He, doesn't, he knows all the things that you're incapable of and your weaknesses. He knows all the things in your humanity, but he doesn't identify you with that. We can't identify ourselves with our insecurities. We, 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 we can't because when we do that, you ever notice, you ever like seen these people who like you look at them and like, man, they got it all together. And then you talk to them and you're like, do they know how blessed they are? Like, do they know like how much God's doing for them? Like you're talking to them like, oh, man, I don't, you know, like, yeah, I guess I'm having a good day. But this happened and I'm worried like, you know, I'm, I'm a little short for my, you know, whatever. And this, like, you know, like all these things are insecure about. And they're identifying with, them, with those things. And you're looking at them and so you see how blessed you are? See how you have a loving family? You see how you're part of a good church? You see how you're doing all the, how God has all these things in your life? If you identify yourself with insecurities, that's all you're going to see. That's all you're going to see is what's wrong with you, what, 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 is, what is bad, what is least. That's all you're going to see. But God doesn't do that. And in verse six, 16, the Lord said to him, when he's, he's talking about all this, he says, yeah, 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 all these weaknesses. And God's like, yeah, I know that. The Lord said to him, I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon's telling him all of his weaknesses and insecurities. And God's like, okay, look, like, you want me to be surprised? Like, this is my surprise face. Look, I know all those. I know all that. But I'm going to be with you. And you're, it's going to be like you're fighting against one man. God's saying, I know all your weaknesses, and I can work with it. I know that was a long introduction, but point one, God can work with your weaknesses. God can work with your weaknesses. See, what, one of the lies from the enemy is that we think that before we can go forward, these weaknesses that we have in our life, we first have to fix. Like, uh, well, I, you know, God, I know you called me to do this, but I'm not experienced too much in that area yet. Like, I, you called me to be a business owner, but I'm, I have never been experienced. Like, let me get experience in, and then I'll step into it. Or, 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 or God, I'm, you, you know, I don't have enough uh, finances to do what you're calling me to do, so let me save for a little bit, then I'll do it. And we begin to think that God be, is, is, is not able to outperform our weaknesses. God can work with your weaknesses. God said, God looks at you. So I can work with that. He said, yeah, I, I know you have a trouble here. I know you have problems there, but I can work with that. 
Why? Because I'm with you. I, I, I know you lack experience in this field, but I'm with you. I'll make up the difference. I, I know you might lack uh, um, knowledge or, or things here, but I'm with you, so I'll make up the difference. Turn to your neighbor and say, God can work with my weaknesses. God's not looking for perfect people. If God was looking for perfect people, none of us would be here, and none of us would need God because we're perfect. God, we're not meant to be perfect people. God works with our weaknesses. God works with our weaknesses. So after this encounter Gideon has with, with God, and, and God is explaining and, and really changing everything on the inside of him, after they have this conversation, I want us to pick up in, in verse 25, because after they have this conversation, God asks something of them. He, he has, God has this encounter with Gideon. Gideon begins to understand, okay, I'm qualified. But before he could take the next step, God asked him to do something. He said, now that you're qualified, it's time to take action. Look what he says in verse 25. He says, that night, the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old, and pull down. Everybody say pull down. Your father's altar to Baal and cut down, everybody say cut down, the Asherah pole standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on, the, on this hilltop, sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. You've got to remember, the whole reason why the Israelites were outside the will of God is because they were worshiping um, false idols like Baal. That's the whole reason why. God calls Gideon. He says, you're qualified because I'm called because I called you, and I'm going to be with you, so that's why you're qualified. But he says, now that you're qualified, I need you to take some action. You see, there's some things that you need to clean up. There are some things you need to tear down, and there's some things you need to cut away. Yes, you're qualified, but now it's time to take action. You're qualified, but now it's time to strip some things that are poisoning your purpose. You're qualified, but now it's time to leave some of those old man things behind if you're going to step into the fullness that I have for you. Now you're qualified. But now it's time to let go of those old things for you to fully step into what I have for you. He said, now that you're qualified, I need you to cut down that pagan altar that you have in your family's house. I need you to bring down that, that pagan pole that you have. That y'all been, I, I need you to, now you're qualified, now it's time to strip the, the toxins and the poisons out of your life. We can't fully step into our purpose. and We can't drink from the promises of God and still have poison in the cup. We, 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 we got to get out what was holding us back. We're qualified now. So it's time to leave the old man behind and step into what God has for us. This is what Gideon was being instructed to do. He said, tear down those pagan altars. Clean up your house. Like, like, let me explain. It's like this. God is calling you to be a missionary, per se. Say, hypothetically thinking. And he says, but before you go across the sea, I need you to go and reach your family. Okay, take care of your house. Like, clean up your house. Get your house in order. Yeah, like, you know, like, you're qualified now. But now it's time to do some things. Now it's time to strip some things. Now it's time to remove some poisons from your life. Um, before I go any further, that's point number two for tonight. Get rid of what is poisoning your purpose. Get rid of what is poisoning your purpose. God has called you and qualified you to live a life of purity. So it's time to give up pornography. God has qualified you to live a life of joy. So now it's time to cut out the jealousy. Cut out what is poisoning you. 
Cut out what you know is not good for you. Cut out what you know, what got you in that bad place in the, in, in the first place. Cut out those, those pagan altars, those bell worth, the, cut, out, cut out all those things. Like I was instructing Gideon, said, because, look, Gideon, you're qualified, but there's some things, some poisons and toxins in your life that you got to get out. That you got to get out. We're all qualified in this room. We got Jesus in us. You got Jesus on the side of you. You're qualified. But we got to make sure we get rid of the things that are poisoning our purpose. I mean, God has called you. He has. God has all these promises for you. He does. He has a great purpose on your life. But you got to let go of all those things in the past. You can't expect to hold on to the past and be taken into the future that God has for you. You got to let go of those things. There's some things I got to cut down. There's some things going to tear out. I know y'all getting a little quieter now, but I understand. Like, there's some things in our lives that we got to get out. I'm just being real. Like, if we're going to step into everything that God has for us, there's some things I got to strip out of my life. But here's the thing. It, that kind of thinking never stops. Because another type of thinking is saying, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so perfect. I'm so self-righteous now that I can, I, I, you know, I'm good. You know, uh, I, I made it. Every day is a day to get less of us and more of God. Less of us, more of God. My prayer every day, say, God, any of me that doesn't line up with your word, strip it out of my life. Less of me, more of you. Less of me, more of you. And I hope I never stop praying that prayer. We always want to make sure that we're always, hey, God, how can I grow closer to you? Hey, God, I want to I learn more about you. Because let me tell you, there will never be in a place that you don't have to pray anymore. There will never be a place we don't have to read the Bible. That, that, that will never happen. If anything, it will make you cause you to read and pray and to love Jesus even more. We've got to make sure we let go of the old man to step into the new. And that is what God is instructing Gideon to do. So God calls Gideon. And, and Gideon is now qualified, and he, then he cuts out all the things that was poisoned in his life. He, he got rid of all the idols and the false, uh, false things in, in his house. And he gets ready for battle. And in Judges chapter 7, verse 2, listen what the Lord said to Gideon. He said, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me, that they saved themselves by their own strength. You ever wonder why, like, God uses the weak to confound the strong? Ever wonder why, like, you, you, we all ask ourselves sometimes, like, God, why me? You know, why me? There's so many things that I'm not, I'm, I'm not qualified. Like, there's so many things. Why, why me? God said, because I want the glory. I God's not calling you to give you glory. God's not calling you to do things to build your own platform and self-image. That's not why God calls us. God calls you so when people look at you, they would say, there's no way that Caleb was capable of that. That's God. That is why God calls us. It's so that we can be a witness to people. Not that, that we are great, but that God is good. Yeah. And that if he is good for me, I'm telling you, he's going to be good for you. Because yeah. too many people, they, they try to have this image of saying, I got it all together. Uh, my, my, my life is perfect. 
Can I tell you something right now that doesn't drive pe uh, people to Jesus? Like, if they see that you're perfect and that you're a Christian, like, look, look I'm not saying, you know, go out and do, you know, dumb stuff. No, hear me correctly. <laughs> what I am saying is that if you try to hold this image, because everybody knows nobody's perfect. Everybody knows that. But if you try to act like you have a self-righteous nature about you, you have, I have it all together about you, say, hey, I'm perfect, you're not kind of nature about you, that doesn't lead people to Jesus. Because people will then look at that and say, okay, for me to be with Jesus, I have to look like that? I'm never going to get there. And people give up. They, people step away from Jesus. But let us be not a, a reflection of ourselves. Let's, let us be a reflection of Jesus. Let us be when they, when they look at us. They don't say how great you are. They, they see how great God is. That's the heart of Riverside Church. That's the heart that we have is that we want God to get all the glory no matter what. Wherever he takes us, it's not us. It's God. Whatever happens, whatever God blesses, whatever, it wasn't by our strength. It's by God. We have to keep that mind. I'm telling you, and if you're willing to be used like that, if, we're, if you're willing to say, God, I, I don't care if I get one ounce of credit. I, I don't care if, no, if nobody looks at me and says, wow, you're great, you're awesome. I, all I want, God, is you to get the glory. If you have that kind of mindset and willingness to be used by God without needing to have all these people's opinions be great. Like, like if you have that kind of mindset, I'm telling you right now, God is going to use you so much. God's going to take you so far and because he, he's going to know that this person right here, he's going to give me all the glory. And when he gives me all the glory, people are going to see God and Jesus on the inside of him. And that's going to lead more people to Jesus. And that, see that cycle's going. And more people will come into his name. More people will be saved. Because we want to give God all of the glory. Point number three for tonight is God works best with less. God works best with less. God will do the greatest things in our lives with the, using the areas where you thought you'd never be used. Now, I'm saying we do have passions. We do have natural strengths and abilities that God gives us. That's correct. But there will be, there will be areas and times when God's going to use you and say, God, like, I, I'm, not, I'm not experienced enough to do that. I don't, I don't, like, I'm not, I don't know all the things about that. I don't have all the knowledge. I don't have all the, all the finances. How am I going to do this? And what happens in those areas, what, what do you do when you can't lean on yourself? What do you do? You lean on God. And you say, God, if this is going to happen, it's not going to be, be by my strength. It's not going to be by my knowledge or experience. It's going to be all you. And so you lead fully more on God, and that's when God can do his best. And that's when if there are any witnesses in the house that God's done his best, when you say, God, like, here you go. Like, I'm falling like this. I don't even have the choice right now. Like, I, here, I'm falling after. That's when God does his best. A lot of y'all know we got a little puppy who's sometimes a pain named Shiloh. But she's a blessing, and she's actually a miracle. Let me tell you the story. So about a year ago when, you know, Haley and I were, were ready to get a puppy, we said, God, we want a puppy. And then we looked how much a puppy cost. Say, God, are we hearing you correctly, God? Like, <laughs> we didn't know. Like, and then at the apartment complex where we were at, it, it was going to cost a lot to have have a pet, and so we're like, okay, and we were, we're in the middle of saving for a house, and so we're like, okay, God, like, we really want a puppy really bad, but it's going to have to be you. It's not going to be us. Remember praying for that? Like, it's literally going to have to be, like, the dog's going to have to be free. And, like, if anybody's looked for, like, a dog that's, like, a puppy that's, or a dog that's free, you're not going to get a puppy, you know. It's, you know, anyways. 
But so literally we pray that. And then the next day, my, my dad texts me. He says, hey, hey, son, I know you're looking for a puppy. My, my co-worker has a bunch of puppies, and she's giving away for free. Do you want one? I said, yes. <laughs> I was like, we didn't even know what, it, what, what she looked like. We didn't know what she said, yes, and we picked her out. And that turned out to be Shiloh, which is awesome. And we got that dog for free. She's cost us a lot of money since then. <laughs> but we got her for free, and God provided, and she's the perfect little puppy for us. See, God works best with less. God works best when you're saying, God, all you, not me. And I'm telling you, he's going to make a way or there seems to be no way. When you say, God, I don't have this, I don't have that, but I know you promised me this. So, God, I'm going to lean into your, your, what you have for me. And you're going to watch God open the doors. You're going to watch God make the connections in your life. So right after that, after he says, and you know, God, God says, hey, you have too many men. They, they gave, go from close to 200,000 men to 300, to 300. And this is what God says in Judges 7, um, chapter 7, verse 7. And y'all can stand with me. I'm closing. The Lord told Gideon, he said, with these 300 men, I, everybody say I. I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. He said, I will rescue you. I will give you victory. I will rescue you. I will give you victory. What God was saying, Gideon, is saying, you're not qualified for victory based on the army you have. You're not qualified for victory uh, based on the strength of your men, based on the number of and the, the technology of your weapons. Like, that's not what qualifies you. What qualifies you for victory is that I am with you. What qualifies for victory is that I am here with you. That is what qualifies you. And this is what he's trying to show the Israel people. He's saying, look, all the things, all the strength of the world isn't what qualifies you for my victories. All the resources of the world isn't what qualifies you for my promises. I qualify you. I qualify you. I will give you the victory. I want to close with this thought. Our qualification is not based on our capabilities, but on God's calling. Our qualification is not based on our capabilities, but on God's calling. What am I trying to say? You're not qualified because you're capable. You're not qualified because of your strengths. You're not qualified because of your experience. You're not qualified uh, because you have all the things that man says you need. You're qualified because God called you. You're qualified because God called you. We've got to fight against the lie of people feeling unqualified in the presence of God. We've got to fight the lie of people feeling unqualified for God's purpose because of the opinions of man. Look, you're not qualified because of your capabilities. You're qualified because of God's calling on your life. That's what qualifies you, and that's all you need. I'm too qualified to quit. God has a calling on your life. You're too qualified to quit on it. God called you to have joy in your life. You're too qualified for it to quit on it. God qualified you to have peace from a, a source that this world can't offer. So you're too qualified to quit on peace. God called you to have it. God promised you to have it. God promised you to have that business. God promised you to start that family. God promised you. God called you. That's what qualifies you for it. 
Stop waiting until you read all the books. Stop waiting until you listen to all the podcasts. Stop waiting until you have all the degrees because those things don't qualify you anyways. God's calling is what qualifies us. Can we get that revelation from God of saying, I don't need anybody else. I don't need anything else other than your calling on my life. I don't need anything else to, to make me feel qualified other than your voice in my life. God's calling is what qualified us. You have Jesus on the inside of you. You're qualified. We're about to sing a song in a little bit. But let's just welcome in the Holy Spirit right now to our hearts. Because a lot of us struggle with feeling unworthy and unqualified. We struggle with thinking that we can be used by God. We struggle with thinking that we can step into everything that he's called us to step into. We struggle. And late at night, we, we, we pray out to God. We say, we say, God, help me. And they say, help me. And they say, we have these insecurities. But God's saying, look, I've called you. You don't need anything else. I called you. You have the strength. Now go. Don't, don't wait for the stars to line. Don't wait for everything to look perfect. My calling is all you need. My calling is all you need. Right now, Father, I, I speak life in people's faith right now. Right now, God, we welcome in your Holy Spirit. That anybody in the house, under the sound of my voice, or watching online, that feel unqualified by their weaknesses, that feel unqualified by their insecurities, that feel unqualified by people's opinions, right now, Father, give them the identity in Christ, knowing that by His blood we are qualified for every blessing, every promise, every purpose that You have for us. That we don't have to look to people, we don't have to look to the world, we don't have to look to politics to qualify us. But we have the calling from the curator of heaven and earth. And if he called us, and then he knows what we're capable of, that's the only qualification we need, is knowing that we have been called by God. If you've never been told that you're qualified, let me tell you something right now, church. You are qualified, and you are called. You are qualified, you are called, and you are worthy. If you've never been told that you are worth something, let me tell you, you are worthy of God's calling, and you're qualified for his purpose and peace in your life. You are qualified for joy. You are qualified to have that confidence from God. You are qualified for every fruit of the Spirit because you have Jesus on the inside of you. Right now, draw a circle around yourself. Lift up your hands. Open your heart. Say, God, fill me up. Say, fill me up, God. Remove those insecurities from my mind. Remove those lies and those thoughts that tell me I'm not good enough. Father, remove those. Because, Father, I'm called by you. I'm called by you, God. That's the only qualification I need to step into everything that you have for me. With every hand lifted, let's just worship God for a little bit. And I'll tell you something, the more you worship him, the more qualified you will feel, the more worship you give to him, the more you feel on the inside of you that say, I, I am a child of God. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am qualified. Come on, let's sing together.
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit riversidechurchtx.com.